Welcome to the Magic Time Podcast, proudly brought to you by Firm Foundation Media. Welcome to the Magic Time Podcast Playoff Edition. Very pleased to be joined by the head coach of the Moncton Magic. This is Joe Salerno. How you doing, Joe? I'm doing well, Scott. How are you? Excellent, sir. Great to have you on the program. Thanks for uh, joining us uh, on a off day, so to speak, in terms of game day. You're back at it uh, tomorrow. Uh, so let's get right into it. Uh, Couple of big games, obviously games one and two in your first round playoff series against your provincial rivals, yeah. the St. John Riptide, and uh, a pretty a pretty successful two games at home. Coach, uh, your thoughts on the two zero series lead? Um, yeah, I know we, we've put ourselves in a in a in a very good situation. You know, we, we've talked so much in, in these five game series. Um, you know. Having the first two games at home is obviously a luxury, but but you know winning one of those games really isn't enough. You know if you only win one of those games, you're still going to give home court advantage, you know over to to the Riptide in this case. Um, so we talked about going into game two, you know that that this game was even that much more important than, than game one. Uh, we certainly didn't want to you know have a best of three series with two of those games being in St. John. Um, so it was it was a very big win for us uh, on Monday. And um, like I said, we, we put ourselves in a, in a good position. Still have a lot of work uh, work to do and, and a long ways to go in this series alone. Um, but I, I like where we're at right now. Now, Coach, any time that uh, you have a two-game win streak in the playoffs and you go up 2 nothing in a series, there's lots to like. But let me ask you uh, a couple of things. First of all, before we get to what you really liked, what your team did, in the first two games, maybe if there was a couple of things that you picked out of those two games, watching film back, what were a couple of things that you didn't like so much about those first two games that you wanted to work on in the days between uh, games two and game three? Yeah. I mean, you know, to be honest with you on the, on the defensive side of the ball, I, I think we've been, we've been pretty good. Um, you know, obviously holding them to, to what 90 or less um, in, in both games, was a uh, was was a great accomplishment for us. You know, they're, they're a very solid team. Um, so I've been pretty happy on the defense side of the ball. You know, one thing I think you could point out from from game two. You know, in that fourth quarter, <clears throat> Horace Wormley, you know, really kind of asserted himself. You know, much more, and and he really kind of got downhill, and you could kind of tell he was trying to do everything he could to to kind of put the team on his back and, and try to take that game over in the fourth quarter. And you know, we just have to continue to try to do the best job that we can on him. And, and limiting his penetration, um, you know, but, but for the most part defensively, I, I think we've been sound on the offensive side of the ball. You know, I still think at times we we've had a lot of broken plays, you know, we've become a little stagnant at times in the half court, um, you know, which is something we're continuing to, to try to improve on. You know, I don't think you can take anything away from St. John though. You know, you're looking at a, at, you know, really one of the best defensive teams in the NBL Canada. And, you know, they're also in a, in a playoff type mindset. So, Baskets just really aren't coming easy on either end of the floor uh, for each team. So we've just been continuing to try to improve offensively, try to give them a couple different looks, you know, but but still kind of maintaining our, our normal offensive philosophy. Um, so just, you know, small things that we need to keep tweaking and, and improving on. One of the things that uh, stood out to me in the two games was 
that you, even though St. John made their runs, they really never got into a position where they got a lead on you guys and started to pull away, and then you guys were trying to come back. Uh, in the first game, you got up big uh, somewhere. I think their biggest lead might have been around 22, 23 points. They made a run. They clawed back in. And in game two, you led wire to wire. Uh, I asked you about what maybe you didn't like so much, but you know what were a couple of things that you were really happy to see your guys do in those two games where, for the most part, St. John had their runs, but it, it appeared that the Magic were in control for the better part of both of those games. I've just been really pleased with, with how focused the, the guys have been on the, the game plan that, that's been put in front of them uh, and continuing to execute that game plan. For the most part, staying pretty disciplined, especially defensively, um, as to how we want to guard actions. And, and they really haven't lost sight of that in, in any point in, in either of game one or two. You know, even when St. John made their run, which, which they're going to do, you know, they're, they're a very good perimeter shooting team. Um, we understand they're, they're going to make some shots. Uh, I just think we've had a, a, an edge, a, a focused edge defensively, and we just haven't lost sight of that. And I think right now that's what I've been most pleased with. You know, I also think that we've really kind of understood that the postseason is a different level of intensity, um, and I think we've really kind of kind of brought that intensity both games. You know, we really haven't had any lapses, you know, so to speak, um, even during a St. John run, you know, that's more credit to, to St. John than, than us playing poorly. So, um, you know, I think that those are probably the two things I could identify that I've been most pleased with as far as, as what our guys have done. Basketball, like all sports, but definitely basketball is a, a game of adjustments. A lot of times a coach has to make adjustments on the fly. Game one, really the majority of the offense for the St. John Riptide seemed to focus around and funnel through Ali Ahmed. Uh, he was a force in the post down low for the Riptide. He kind of started out that way a little bit in game two, but you guys made some adjustments and shut him down. Coach, why was he able to, to do what he did in game one, and what were a couple of adjustments that you made to kind of quiet him a little more in game two? Well, I mean, you know, again, going into to any game, you're you're going to be willing to to live with some things. I mean, you you just can't defend everything. You just you can't defend, you know, these great shooters they have on the three point line and, and this great playmaker and Horace Wormley and you know and you know Ali Ahmed. I mean, all those things you have to be willing to to kind of give up a little bit somewhere, you know, to be more effective on what we consider to be the more dangerous threats. Uh, Ollie's had, you know, a great series and, you know, he's very good in screen and roll. Uh, he's got good hands and he finishes very well on the move and, you know, having a point guard like Horace Wormley, you know, that certainly can make Ollie a very effective player. Um, I think we just tightened up. We, we, we changed a little bit defensively how we guarded the screen and roll in game two. Um, you know, which then in turn, you saw them, you know, knock down more, more three point shots in game two. I don't think they had great looks, but they had some cleaner looks than they may have had in, in game one. So, I mean, you could see that kind of balance, right? Um, game one, we were giving up a little more of, of Ollie, you know, in the paint going to the rim. You know, game two, we tried to help a little more in the paint, which kind of sucked our defense in, which, which opened up the perimeter, you know, a half second longer. So, you know, for us, it's kind of finding that even balance. Um, but we're, we're going we're gonna to continue to try to defend you know, what we feel are, are the most dangerous options that they have and, and kind of put the point of emphasis on that. 
So, Coach, you mentioned moments ago about playoff intensity, and it's a different different level of intensity. Dave Tingley and I, my broadcast partner on the Magic broadcast, have noticed a uh, sizable difference, if you will, in the level of intensity from Juan Patillo. And not that he didn't have intensity in the games before, but certainly in Game 1, where he was the Magic player of the game, and again in Game 2, he's showing it more outwardly, a lot more demonstrative. He's letting out the screams. He's having a big smile when he makes a play or one of his teammates make a play. He's flexing the muscle. What do you see as the biggest difference in that outward show of intensity from Juan? Well, I, I think it's it's that playoff fever. You know, I think it's that, that postseason, you know, kind of intensity that, that the postseason brings out in, in everybody. You know, Juan, Juan is just such a, a gifted athlete. I mean, he, he may be the most gifted athlete I've, I've ever coached. Um, he makes, you know, certain plays just look so effortless, you know, with how quick he gets up off the floor. And, I mean, he, he uh, had a partially blocked shot on Ike, or, uh, Mo Isom, um, you know, last night. The ball actually went in, but I don't know if I've ever seen a guy get up so high and, and get a piece of a shot, you know, at his, at his peak point. Um, but I think a lot of times with Juan, you know, I mean, it, it takes him, it could take him a little bit to get going. You know, sometimes he's, he's a pretty laid back guy and, and that's just his, his character. Um, but I think the playoffs is, you know, he understands kind of what's at stake. Um, I know he was, he was quoted in, in the newspaper, you know, yesterday, you know, saying he, he really wants to do whatever he can to help this team win, you know, for guys like Anthony Anderson and Al Stewart and these, these guys that are these veteran guys that have been on the league for so long and haven't been to a, to a final. So I've been very pleased. I mean, Juan has had a great, first two games in this series he's really been a force inside for us um you know which has also opened up some shots for terry and Corey allman and, and whatnot so you know Juan, when he kind of brings that level of intensity and, and that aggressive style of play you know there's not many guys that can stop him you know in this league so you know we're going to hope to you know continue to bring that out of Juan. but uh you know he's really kind of just kind of done that on his own he's definitely stepped up his game and, and his level of intensity you know now that the postseason is here well, there's definitely uh, something unbelievable when you watch him. You talk about how gifted an athlete he is. And, I mean, he is a big guy. He's a strong guy. And there's no doubt that he is gigantic around the rim. And, and some of the dunks he comes up with are amazing. But also, Coach, his ability from short range to put up these smooth-looking jump shots. I think I commented uh, in the broadcast the other night that I'm I'm in awe almost every time I see him because you see someone – of his physical stature kind of step back with the smooth stroke and the release that he has, it almost kind of freaks you out a little bit. When did you first kind of, of get to see Juan and, and kind of think to yourself, man, I'd love to have this guy. Oh, last year, uh, you know, in when he played for Windsor, um, you know, being in the Atlantic division <clears throat> last year, I only, we only played against Windsor twice. And, um, you know, he had, he had a couple of good games, both games uh, against me last season. You know, I think one of the games, you know, at Windsor, I think he went for 26 or 28, and I think he had nine dunks in that game. And, and you know, every other shot he hit was this, you know, 12-foot baseline jumper. And, and, and I was also the same way. I was kind of like, wow, I mean, this guy can have the best of both worlds here. He's really tough to guard because, you know, if he faces you up from 12 feet, he does have the ability to knock that shot down. You know, if a bigger guy, you, you ask him to go out and defend that shot, and he has the ability to put it on the floor and, and get to the rim. So he's just a pretty dangerous player, you know, inside 15 feet of the, the basket. And, um, you know, we're, we're still trying to get Juan. You know, I, I think Juan is a very good rhythm shooter. 
I think when, you know, he gets that catch, whether it's in a pick and pop or, you know, if he catches a, a post up and he turns and faces up and goes right into his shot and rhythm, I think he'd be pretty dangerous. You know, it, we're, we're trying to get him if he's going to take that shot to, to not hesitate. You know, I think when he when he takes his time and he kind of faces up and, and jabs a couple times, he's not quite as effective shooting the basketball like that. Um, but like I said, man, he, he's he's a very dangerous player. You know, all season long, we knew we were kind of lacking some interior scoring. Um, and it's, you know, I think the, the proof is in the pudding right now that, that he was the type of guy that we needed to add. And, and uh, he's having a great postseason so far. Well, he definitely is. And again, a, a great start for the Magic. You know, as you said, important to get both of those games to start off at home in a best of five. It can be over pretty quick. So that brings us to your preparations uh, ahead of the game tomorrow. And of course, uh, a potential game for on Saturday. Not a lot of downtime between uh, the game on Sunday and your game tomorrow night, but what kind of things have you been working on the last couple of days? What's it been like for you and the team? Yeah, we actually, well, we got off our feet yesterday. You know, we didn't have anything, you know, on the court yesterday. And and that's been, you know, pretty much all season long for us. When, when you play back-to-back games, especially in, in the playoffs and the level of intensity and, and the effort that our guys, I thought, have, have put forward on the defensive end, it's taken a lot out of them, you know. So we stayed off the court yesterday, but I, but I, I do feel that we're we're really engaged in this series, you know, and, and that's the way it should be. And, and I wanted to continue to keep the guys engaged. So we had a, a fairly lengthy film session uh, yesterday, you know, all all clips from game two, and and just continuing to to kind of keep what we need to do in our guys' minds. Um, you know, today we're back out on the court, you know, this afternoon, which will probably only be about an hour you know, maybe an hour and 10 minutes, um, you know, probably not much live, nothing going up and down. You know, we're really just trying to physically be at our best uh, tomorrow night. But, um, you know, just staying engaged and, and staying prepared and, and understanding, you know, what we have to do. We'd love nothing more than, than to get this done in three. Um, you know, so hopefully we'll, we'll be ready to go tomorrow night. And talking about tomorrow night, it would be wonderful for the Magic, obviously. Uh, I mean, I guess it's an understatement to say that getting it in three would be big for you guys, at the very least, just to give you a little bit of extra rest. But, Coach, you know, with what we've talked about here so far, going into tomorrow night, you know, what are going to be a couple of keys for the Magic to go into Harbor Station, which is a building that you guys have had no success in basically this year. You have yet to win at Harbor Station this season. But, again, playoffs, a, a different season, a whole new ball game, so to speak. But a couple of keys for you and the team to go in there tomorrow night and to uh, potentially get this in a three-game sweep. Yeah, well, I think first, you know, you mentioned Harbor Station. And, um, you know, you mentioned this is the postseason, this is a different season. And that's exactly the way that, that we're looking at it. You know, we really haven't discussed it all as, as a team. Oh, we haven't won there, you know, this season. Well, the way we look at things is this season is only only two games old, right? <laughs> it's, it's a brand-new season for us. Um as far as keys going into the game, you know, we, we understand that this is an elimination game and elimination games are always the most difficult for both teams. You know, obviously St. John is going to come out with everything they have to try to extend their season. Um, you know, and for us, it's going to make it that much more difficult. So, um, you know, we have to match their, their extra intensity. They will have tomorrow night. You know, they will have, you know, some extra adrenaline going and, and it will, it will, you know, 
that will turn into energy on the floor and with their home crowd. And I think you saw a great example of it last night, you know, with the River Lions who, you know, were, were handled, you know, pretty easily in games one and two by London. They come back to, to their home floor, the Lions then there down 0-2, and they certainly fed off that, that energy from the crowd. So we have to match that. You know, we have to understand that, um, you know, this is a game, you know, there's certainly the potential that, that we'd have to play from behind. You know, we may have to come back in this game because they may, they may jump on you, you know, like they have at Harbor Station for us uh, previously. So I think for us, it's staying, staying focused, staying disciplined on, on what we've done and what has worked. Um, but again, you know, understanding that, that this is going to be our toughest game all season long, you know, and, and we have talked about that. So um, it, it's going to be a battle. It's going to be a great game. I'm really looking forward to it. Coach, this is the battle of the 506. That's what it's been dubbed. Uh, great rivalry, great intensity between the two teams, the two fan bases. Uh, Coach Nelson Tarot is a good guy. He seems to be enjoying it. The fans are enjoying it. How much fun are you having right now? Yes, you're intense. Yes, you want to win. But just the atmosphere surrounding this series, the whole 506 thing with the mayors getting involved and the fans getting involved basketball and the intensity of coaching aside, because I know that pretty much consumes you, but how much fun are you having right now? Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm loving it. I, I absolutely love the playoffs. I, I love the postseason. You know, I love the, the chess match. You know, I, I, I love being able to, to kind of take all your time and energy and, and focus it in on, on one opponent, you know, and, and put in strategies and, you know, implement those strategies in practice and then see them carry over into games and, and having to make adjustments um, I think our crowd has been great. I think the energy has been great. You know, there's a nice buzz around the city of Moncton um, with us getting up, you know, 2-0 in this series. So, I mean, I'm, you know, this is, you know, they say players this is why you play the game, you know, to, to compete for championships and in the playoffs. And, well, for coaches too, you know, I mean, this is, this is what it's about. This is the time of, of the season that I enjoy most, um, you know. So I'm, uh, I'm having a good time. I know that that's obviously – easily said when you're up 2-0 in a series and it might be not quite as much fun if we were down 0-2 but um, you know this is is what I enjoy about coaching and I know coach you are a basketball guy it's so much fun to talk to you about basketball whether it's uh, in person at the arena or on these podcasts we've had some uh, great exchanges telling stories uh, you know about your time at Vermont and your time uh, in other leagues and even going back to your high school days and you pay attention to the game. And I mention all this because I saw that you uh, put a post on social media this morning about a really cool story uh, from the NBA last night, a, a longtime D league and G league player, Andre Ingram uh, got the call and got up to go to the Lakers. And before we talk to you about that coach, I'm just going to play a couple of clips that I took from social media involving uh, Andre and his experience last night. So I'm going to play that now. Here he is getting ready to play significant minutes, hopefully make a deep playoff run. Ingram, there's a shot, he cut it! Glasses, he tutored math. And here he is, one of the great three-point shooters in the D, now the G League. All started in the same gym. All right, Andre, how did that feel? Uh, it was it was excellent. Uh, it was 
more than I, uh, AC just asked me, was it everything you thought it'd be? Obviously, this was much more. Um, but the feeling once we went out as a team for warm-ups, I just felt some electricity out there. It was amazing. Uh, the crowd and uh, just being here, the lights, it was just, uh, it was it was once in a lifetime. It was, it was awesome. What did Chris Paul tell you when you first checked in together? Yeah, he, um, we actually share the same age. So, uh, no, he was just congratulating me, man, like, uh, like everyone has. Everyone has been genuine in their uh, excitement for me um, and their being happy for me. It means a lot when people are genuine. You can tell he just wanted to say um, that he was proud um, and just congratulated me. And again, that we share the same age. But uh, no, it was it was really cool of him to, to do that. He actually. And those clips, courtesy of Spectrum Sportsnet and TNT, who had the NBA game with the Lakers last night. But coach, just listening to Andre talk about, you know, this was beyond his wildest dreams and better than he even anticipated going on the floor, the crowd, the lights, and then talking to to CP3, Chris Paul, about, you know, they're basically the same age, but CP3 is a potential Hall of Famer veteran, and here's this Andre Ingram getting his first ever chance. And I know that stories like that really kind of hit you in the feels and resonate with you. What is it about that that kind of strikes you right in the, the old feels, Coach? Yeah, you know, it really does. And if you know me well enough, I'm not, I'm actually not a really kind of feely touchy guy, you know. Um, but when you see something like that, um, you know, I think it, as well, it's in the, the field that I'm in, you know, and um, a guy to kind of grind his way and, and never kind of lose sight of, of, of what his ultimate dream was and what his ultimate goal was to continue to pursue that and then finally see that that guy accomplish that goal. I mean, yeah, it's a really kind of heartwarming story um you know and it, it's I, I almost feel i think deep down is something that i can relate to a little bit um you know i i i've had to i've been grinding my my myself you know i've really kind of been been going through the minor leagues as well for you know going on nine seasons now and um you know i certainly haven't lost sight of of you know kind of what my goals are and what i want to do and you know when you see that it, it's inspirational you know it, it really is it, it's really inspirational to see somebody just continue to strive for for what they want to accomplish in life and it was just an incredible incredible story incredible night he had and and then to see him succeed and, and go for 19 points you know in 29 minutes it was just uh I just thought it was a great story you know and I thought I would just share that uh this morning well it was neat too because uh you know you've got a wonderful family uh your wife Darcy and your two wonderful kids uh, so supportive of you. And, and it makes me think of last night, there was actually another clip where his wife, uh, who he had brought along for this amazing moment, was actually being interviewed on the sidelines during play. And during the interview, he hit another three. The reporter told her and she stopped talking. She just went back. She stepped back. She started to clap and she went, oh, yay. And it was so genuine. It was so really cool to see. And and I know, Coach, that's something that you know means a lot to you. But again, just... What does that kind of uh, speak to you, or how do you feel when when you see something like that? You get choked up, man. You know, you you, you really do. Um, you know, I had a, and, and it was the, the clip with his wife was was just tremendous because 
you know, when, when you're trying to, in, in this profession, whether you're a player, whether you're, you're a coach, and, and along with many other professions, you know, your family, it's, they just, they have to be on board um, and they have to be supportive. And, you know, guys in the, the D League and the G League, you know, they, they certainly don't make a, a lot of money. Um, so obviously for him to, to be playing in that league for 10 years now, I'm sure his family has had to make a lot of sacrifices. Um, and, you know, for him, you know, obviously playing out in, in Los Angeles and in his family in, I think they said, Virginia, um, that's a sacrifice right there, you know. So you, you do, you get choked up when, when you, you see that and you know that the family has played such a large role in that. And um, it's just a, it's an incredible story. and It's it's inspirational. It's inspirational to players and, and people in the field of, of sports. Um, you know, I actually had a very, Kind of a, not a, a similar situation, actually, you know, a, a week or so ago, a few days ago. I don't know if you, you saw um, the NBL Canada, you know, had its first player um, go from, you know, this league to the NBA. Uh, and it was a player I had the, the privilege to coach a few years back. Uh, his name was Omari Johnson. And um, Omari, you know, he played at Oregon State. And, and right out of college, he, he came to the NBL Canada in its inaugural season. He played for the Oshawa Power. Um, and they, they didn't have a great season, you know, the team, and they had a losing record. Well, the next year, he signed with me, and um, we ended up going to a finals that year, and he was a first-team league all-star. And, and from there, uh, after that season, he, uh, he signed in ACB Spain, which what many people consider one of the top, top leagues in the world. Um, he had a good season there. And then for the past three, four seasons, he's been in the NBA uh, Development League and in, in G League. And he's really kind of been biding his time. Um, to make a long-winded story short, uh, he's stuck with it. And, and you know, he signed um, a contract uh, with the Memphis Grizzlies, you know, last week. And he played in his first first NBA game. And um, it's along those same lines. You know, a guy who's just really stuck with it and stayed with it. And um, it was nice to see, you know, that the guy had a very small piece of, um, you know, coaching him for a season you know, has made it to, to the big time. So just a couple of great stories over the last week, guys going up to the NBA from, uh, from the G league. Yeah. It was kind of cool. There were, uh, some of the, uh, folks from the Moncton magic organization at the timekeepers table, some of the, the great folks who volunteer and help out as well. were actually monitoring it online, uh, uh, getting ready to, uh, to check out his game online. So kind of a neat fraternity or, or family that, that exists in sports and, you know, I guess just we'll quickly finish on that. But when you had him, you talked about how good he was. In somewhere in the back of your mind, Coach, did you have that feeling that one day he could hit the NBA? Yeah, yeah. No, I, I actually did. You know, there, there's there's players that pass through this league, the NBL Canada, you know, every year. There, there's probably a, a handful, you know, four or five maybe, that you just know have NBA talent or they have NBA size or, or athleticism. And, and you just know that the potential is, is there. And, you know, a lot of times it's, it's who, you know, you know, to get that look or get that opportunity to be seen or be put in front of the right people. Um, but I knew, you know, when I had Omar and I think over seven seasons now in this league, I think I may have coached maybe three guys maybe four in 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 my opinion that have nba talent and omari was definitely one of those guys and um so you know to again to to see him sign and put on that that nba jersey 
Uh, it was great. It was great for him. It was, it was great for the NBL Canada because we've had a few guys come really close over the years. Um, so, again, it was just a, a tremendous story. I'm very happy uh, for Omari, and, you know, I certainly wish him nothing but the best, you know, moving on. It will hopefully be, a, you know, a, a, a career in the NBA. Kind of cool that, uh, you know, your experience with him, you are – uh, a piece of that puzzle that he's putting together to get him where he's got. So that's kind of cool. And also, Coach, just to show how well-rounded you are, you're not just uh, a guy that likes those feel-good stories from basketball. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, when uh, a uh, men's league goalie, Scott Foster, from Johnny's Ice House, the league there, <laughs> got <laughs> called up and played goal for the Chicago Blackhawks, stopped seven shots and had his moment of fame, played 14 minutes in the NHL. You actually sent out a, a tweet mentioning that as well. So you cross over into other sports on that kind of feel-good stuff, Coach. Yeah, I mean, those, those type of stories, they're, they're just incredible. You know, I mean, that's that's a person, you know, uh, having their, their dreams answered, you know. And, and um, yeah, I, I thought it was an incredible story. You know, this guy as a, as a third goaltender, you know, I, and I read a lot about it. I, it really intrigued me. I saw it come across my, my Twitter timeline, and then I kind of – you know, spent 15 minutes kind of diving into what happened last night. And, um, yeah, it's just incredible. This guy, you know, was, was walking to the arena, you know, to, to go and, you know, have some, have some food in the press box and hang out like he always does. And, you know, the starting goalie got hurt in warm up, So all of a sudden he was the backup that night and the chances of that next goalie getting hurt were probably slim to none. So, um, cool story man you know and and uh that's that's one of those reasons you, you say you know this is why we, we love sports um because so many different things can happen and uh so many people grow up playing sports and it's ultimately a, a dream of theirs to do it on the biggest stage and and this guy and andre ingram and, and omari johnson you know all kind of had those opportunities in, in the last week and it seems like they're all making the most of them you know so uh like I said, inspirational stuff, man. It's, it's really, really cool to see. There's nothing like sports to give you uh, kind of that break from the grind of real life, so to speak, even though sports can be real life. But those kind of stories uh, make it cool. <laughs> yes, enough. it can, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> Before I let you go, something else that happened the other night that was kind of cool, and, and you mentioned it as well, and he was a little nervous about it, but uh, one of your guys, Mitch Rowley, came on and did the uh, halftime interview uh, for the Magic during game two. Uh, I don't know how uh, thrilled he was initially. He did a great job, but I think he was a bit nervous. But what was it like when you went up to Mitch and said, Mitch, part of the job, buddy, you got to get out there and, and stick your mug on, on TV. What was his reaction? Uh, he, he wasn't thrilled. Uh, you know, Mitch is a, a pretty, pretty quiet guy for the most part. He, he does his job. He does it very well, you know, but he's, He's not uh, the most outspoken person. And, um, you know, Mitch has been with me for a very, very long time. And, and from a very young age, you know, Mitch just turned 25 years old. And this is his sixth season with me on, on the staff in some way, shape, or form. And, and uh, you know, he's really been making the transition over from, you know, a team manager, equipment manager, so to speak, to an assistant coach. And, and it's a, a transition um, that everyone – you know, needs to make, you know, you go from that to an assistant, from an assistant to a, to a head coach. And, um, you know, every opportunity that I have to put Mitch in, in situations to get some hands-on experience and, um, and some learning experience and, and get him out of his comfort zone 
you know, I think that's, that's part of my job as well. Um, you know, it's to not just try to teach and, and coach players, but, but assistant coaches as well. And, um, you know, I just looked at that as, as a great opportunity for, for Mitch to do something that the job requires that he, that he hadn't done before. And um, even though it was about a 20-second interview, you know, he's going to be that much more confident the next time he's asked to do something like that. So, um, you know, I thought it was, I thought it was great. And, and sometimes you got to, you got to make guys do stuff out of their comfort zone, um, you know, to, to, to become better at, at what they're trying to accomplish. No, I, I think it was excellent. And, uh, and, and again, Mitch did a great job and there's uh, nothing better than being able to, uh, to help those coming up behind you to mentor and to grow. And there's a, a saying I heard one time that when your elevator gets close to the top, always remember to send it back down. So, I think that was a really neat thing. And, and again, thanks to uh, Coach Taroba and to you guys uh, for uh, taking part. It's a new wrinkle that we added uh, for the playoffs, the coach interviews at the halftime. But we certainly appreciate the cooperation because you don't have to, but you are. So we appreciate it very much. So thanks. Yeah, no, I, I, think, it, I think it adds to the broadcast. I think it's certainly something that, that fans, you know, want to hear. They want to get the, the kind of inside scoop of the thoughts from uh, from the coaches and um you know, if we had been down at either of those games at the half, I, I probably would have had the interview. Um, you know, I probably would have would have taken the interview, and and Todd and Mitch could have could have just relaxed a little bit. But uh, like I said, man, I, I think it's I think it's great, and uh, you know, you guys do such a great job with our with our broadcasts. Um, you know, adding just another another thing is is great. So no, we're we're happy to do it. Well, we do appreciate it. So we'll we'll let you go, Coach. But again. Really appreciate your time so very much. I know you're a busy man, but uh, this is uh, great to be able to chat to you at least once a week. I know the fans appreciate it, and, and we do as well. Good luck today with your uh, on-court session, and good luck tomorrow night. Safe travels to St. John, and uh, we wish you lots of luck, and uh, hopefully uh, you'll get this one in three, Coach. Okay, really appreciate it, Scott. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll talk to you again soon. Indeed you will, sir. Take care, and uh, we'll look forward to seeing you tomorrow night. Okay. That's Coach Joe Salerno of the Moncton Magic. The Magic lead the St. John Riptide two games to none in their first round best of five National Basketball League of Canada playoff series. Game three goes tomorrow night at Harbor Station in St. John. Of course, if you're in the St. John area, I would encourage you to get out to Harbor Station and support your team, whether it's the Riptide or the Magic. And of course, Magic fans who can't make it there and NBL Canada fans and basketball fans in general, you can visit www. .moncktonmagic.ca for the link to the live stream. Once again, thank you so much to Coach Joe Salerno for joining us on the Magic Time Podcast. I'm Scott Squires. Enjoy the rest of your day, my friends, wherever you are, either listening to this live or listening to the archive. Remember, if you can't take part in sport, be a good one anyway. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to the Magic Time Podcast. Proudly presented by Firm Foundation Media.